1: to help you live a maximized life. For more information, visit GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. Here's Dr. Leanne.
2: Good morning. Thanks for joining. You're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter with Greenwood Family Chiropractic. 317-893-2853, 317-893-2853, or you could always check us out online at GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. That's GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. Initial exam and consultation, just $25. Today, we're talking about meat, more specifically red meat, it has been quite the controversial subject about whether or not red meat is good for you, benefits your health, or causes disease processes. So today we're going to do a breakdown and talk about red meat, some of the studies, thought processes on red meat and what it has to do with their health, which I think is interesting because there's everyone is so across the board on it. So I'm going to have some research study for you. So then that way we can have a more grounded opinion when it comes to this. Now, that being said, you know, one of the things that we do when we look at with Greenwood Family Chiropractic is whole body wellness. I was talking to an individual today, how we look at the five essentials. Maximize nervous system, that's obviously, you know, brainstem and spinal cord are what control everything. We looked at nutrition, detoxification, oxygen and lean muscle, which is the exercise component and mindset. All of them are so important. For example, um, say you have uh, concerns with blood pressure. Most people don't know that a specific adjustment to the very top bone in your neck, C1, it was a uh, research study that was done in 2007, University of Chicago Journal of Hypertension. And what they found was that a specific adjustment to C1, your atlas, actually lowered blood pressure better than two medications combined, HCTC and lisinopril. Why? And the reason being is because it's allowing for the brain to communicate out to organs better, right? Like central nervous system, that's how everything functions, brain, some spinal cord. But let's say we do that. You're getting adjusted all day, every day. And yet your blood pressure is still high. And then I inquire, right? I inquire a little bit more and I say, okay, what are you having during the week? What are you having for lunch? And you say Taco Bell every single day. I'm having Taco Bell, which uh, (laughs) funny enough is not actually meat. So I didn't even plan on talking about that. But yeah, Taco Bell is not real meat. It's all filler. If you don't believe me, look up the uh, lawsuit, that taco bell had that they said they weren't able to call their ground beef meat because they didn't have enough percentage meat in it right so when we talk about meat not all meat is created equal now that being said um right so what if you're eating taco bell quote unquote meat every single day for lunch well do you think that that would have effect on your health in your blood pressure yes Absolutely. Let's say, too, you're in an immense amount of stress. Ton over the charts. That stress, can that have an effect on your blood pressure? Absolutely. Right? So all of these things that come on together make sense because they all have to do back to your health. And that is where we look at the five essentials. I want to look at your spine and nervous system. It is so important because all the time, most individuals... Doctors, primary care physicians, we're trying to address, you know, organ systems, let's do a liver detox, a gut cleanse, but no doctor is ever actually looking at and evaluating the one system that goes to all of those organ systems. And that that is your central nervous system, brain brainstem and spinal cord. Right? So that's really where I mean, we differ quite a bit. The other part too, is that in our office, You know, as doctors of chiropractic, we had to go through a lot of schooling for a long time. But that being said, we at Greenwood Family Chiropractic are on a continuing quest for knowledge. So for example, our office was shut down not too long ago for uh, an extended weekend because I had taken the entire team to Orlando for an advanced training seminar. So, yes, as a doctor, we are required to have continuing education, right? It's just one of the things we have to do. Now, that being said, not all continuing education is the same. And this is very, very important. So, when we went through continuing education, we sat with one of the brightest men in the country. I would dare to say, close to world, but I don't know as much about the other people in the world. His knowledge base on scoliosis and spinal correction. So what does that that mean? When you have that forward head posture, we actually look at changing the structure, correcting the structure to restore it to normal, pulling back that forward head posture, leveling out that unlevel pelvis. When you have rotation in your pelvis and you noticed, hey, um, when you walk, the pants wear a little bit differently on each side. Why? Well, because your, your pelvis is rotated. Oftentimes individuals will say, well, it's because my, you know, my leg is longer, you know, anatomically for the average person, leg length differential is not like anatomical. You were born with a short leg is very, very rare. It's more common that you'll have rotation in your pelvis and that will shorten or lengthen a leg. But anatomically, it's not, it's not any longer or shorter. So in order to say, hey, you know, you have this discrepancy, we'll actually look at pre and post x-rays to make sure that it's being corrected. Not we want you to feel well, that's absolute. But that being said, if you're not still not correcting the cause of the problem. So we sat for hours upon hours learning from the brilliance, the brilliance of this man. We went through and I'm, I'm actually pretty stoked about this. I'm not ready to roll it out to everyone. Uh, so why not talk about it on the radio? But we're actually uh, have some improved functional medicine testing. It's all through urine and a blood spot. So like a finger prick that you can do at home through Genova labs, but it looks at different uh, nutritional breakdowns. So it looks at if you have malabsorption rates. I was talking to my girlfriend today about this. We are, she's like, I'm so excited. So it looks at oxidative stress, mitochondrial dysfunction, omega imbalance, so your need for um, supporting inflammation, toxicity load, methylation. So it has a nutrient need overview. So it looks at antioxidants, vitamin A, C, E, CoQ10, glutathione, B vitamins, 1, 2, 3, 6, 7, 9, 12, Um, minerals, magnesium, manganese, molybdenum, Zinc, fatty acids, it looks at um, GI support for enzymes or need for probiotics. And it literally gives suggested recommendations. So, depending on where you're at for a nutrient need, you might say, hey, there's a really minimal nutrient need for vitamin C, but oh my goodness, your need for um, B1, thiamine, is through the roof. Right? So, you can be really, really specific on what you need. It goes through toxicity. So, Um, toxic elements, lead, mercury, aluminum, um, cadmium, nickel, tin. It goes through nutrient elements, so copper, iron, um, selenium, zinc, magnesium, calcium. So it's really awesome to be able to see more on like a cellular level what's going on. So we were training tons with that. Let me tell you why I know. I don't think, but I know it's different. Because when I go through that, the state of Indiana says, it sounds really nice, but you also need additional hours for risk management. So I've been in other seminars and it is one where, you know, it, it's helpful too, but the knowledge base that comes with the type of training that we do is exponentially different. You know, one of them was like, "Do you bill your uncle?" Like that was part of risk management. I'm like, "I don't really learn anything other than how to, you know, make sure I maintain being a safe doctor, which I do from all the other training so it's just kind of interesting when you see it but inevitably our goal is to get to the root cause but looking at it through the view of the five essentials so it's really interesting now before we break down more meat the good the bad the ugly let's talk about some news
1: Dr. Leanne's Health News. Some studies suggest that too much sugar can literally mess with the brain. Health News now, one of the world's most commonly prescribed medications. Maybe. Today, the average American consumes 22 teaspoons of sugar Protesters a day. Protesters say they just should not be forced to get this shot, not by the government.
2: For today's Health in the News... We are going through an article from CNN talking about how processed food drives diet-related diseases. I thought it was really applicable for today. How processed food drives diet-related diseases. So they talk about different food offer different nutrient benefits for overall health. The food industry works diligently to deliver a consumer marketplace full of healthy, accessible, nutrient-dent food and beverage choices. Uh, this is coming from Crystal Register, who's a registered dietitian and director of health and well-being at the Food Institute Association. She said, but she knows the unhealthy eating habits she sees are often related to too many ultra-processed food, writs and sugar, salts and unhealthy fats. So that is why um, she's eager to talk to a pediatric neuroendocrinologist Uh, Dr. Robert Lustig about his new book, which is called The Lure and the Lies of Processed Food, Nutrition, and Modern Medicine. Lustig is a professor at the University of San Francisco who is dedicated to treating and preventing childhood obesity and diabetes. So um, he's a best-selling author of Fat Chance, Beating the Odds Against Sugar, Processed Food, Obesity, and Disease, which discusses the dangers of excessive sugar and its relationship to obesity and what we can do about it. So um, here's what was really interesting. So they, they talked about, obviously, the food industry knows that when they concentrate sugar, it becomes addictive. The more sugar that you pro- have in processed food, the more addictive it becomes. They also know that when they concentrate sugar, it causes liver fat, which leads to insulin resistance, metabolic syndrome, and death. They do it anyways, right? So there's no accountability When it comes to the food industry, their accountability is to shareholders and people who manage and monitor profits, right? Like, do we make more money? So if you take sugar out, it doesn't taste as good. They're going to buy a competitor that has more sugar and they make all the money. They go on to talk about this. So the um, CNN interviewer asks, how do we distinguish between additive processed food and other kinds such as canned beans and frozen vegetables? And she said, there are different levels of processing. This is what I thought was interesting because I never realized, I had never realized that there was different stages or classes, I should say, that they categorize on. So in Brazil, they have a food category system. So they actually categorize these different. So class one is food that is unadulterated in any way, shape, or form, like an apple. Class two is food that is mechanically dispersed, like apple slices. Class three is where something has been removed or added, like applesauce. And class four is where you've destroyed the matrix of the food and have added the ingredients to other foods for palatability, like apple pie. Uh, Usually fiber has been removed and sugar has been added. Class four, the ultra-processed category, is the one that predicts morbidity and mortality, and is fifty percent, fifty-six percent of the food, and sixty-two percent of the sugar consumed in the United States. Pretty interesting, huh? I was like, oh, classes and where they fall. But unfortunately, you know, I don't. It doesn't. uh, It doesn't have a breakdown of class one. It just says class four, which is the uh, ultra-processed, is fifty-six percent of food. And 62% of sugar consumed in the United States. So again, I thought that was interesting. So they go on to talk more about the relationship between sugar and diabetes. They said in 2013, they took three data sets that spanned 10 years. Um, they looked at analysis that showed calories had no relationship to the change in diabetes prevalence in all of the countries over the decade. And all of the other items really didn't show anything except for sugar. The effects of sugar on diabetes was robust. If a country had an extra 150 calories per person per day, diabetes prevalence went up 0.1%. But if that 150 calories happened to be a can of soda, diabetes prevalence went up 11-fold. 11-fold, or 1.1%. And in the United States, we're not consuming one can of soda per day. We're consuming, on average, the equivalent to two and a half cans, which should make sense because, you know, I think about you go to the gas station or the convenience store, they're huge. Another study, which was a randomized controlled trial, um, took sugar out of the diets of 43 children with metabolic syndrome. Since that would reduce their calories by about 400 per day, we replaced the sugar with starch since we wanted them to stay the same weight. We took out the pastries and put bagels in. We gave them foods kid would eat, but food with no added sugar. These kids all kept their weight stable. 10 days later, we found that every single aspect of their metabolic health had improved. We measured their fat deposits, subcutaneous fat, and visceral fat, and liver fat. And what we found was that the subcutaneous, so underneath the skin, fat didn't change because they didn't lose weight. Their visceral, or their belly fat, went down 7%, but their liver fat went down 22 So if it was the... The liver fat that causes dysfunction, uh, it's linked to the pancreas, which creates more insulin, which could drive up chronic metabolic condition. So the improvement in insulin response showed that their metabolic condition reversed, didn't stop, but reversed just by taking the sugar out of their diets and replacing it with starch. Right? So when you're looking at, you know, kind of making good, better, best choices. It's one that oftentimes we get upset, we get sad, we get discouraged because we have these disease, but you have to take your health into your own hands now and realize the processed food that you're consuming that you don't feel has any detriment on your health actually drives related diseases. So the more we can get down to the root cause and start doing things like making nutritional changes, our health outcomes will inevitably change and that is why we're talking about red meat what should if anything you change to your red meat we'll talk about what that is next
1: you're listening to maximize your life with dr leanne we're online with life-changing results and success stories at greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com this is Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne of Greenwood Family Chiropractic. For more information and to schedule an appointment, visit GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. I
0: feel my heart beat, hear my
2: Can what you put in your mouth have an effect on disease process? Sure can. You're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter with Greenwood Family Chiropractic. 317-893-2853. It's 317-893-2853. Or you can always go to our website to schedule an appointment online. Greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com. Greenwood Family. Family initial exam and consultation, just $25. So today we talked a little bit how processed food drives related disease. I thought it was, you know, interesting because they talked about not necessarily the calorie, but if the calorie came from the sugar, from sugar, then it had um, exponentially more effect on Overall health. Like they didn't lose weight, but it did cut down on liver, like fat around their liver, and reversed, not just halted, but reversed metabolic disease. So, really interesting. Now, I've had a lot of questions about red meat. And so, when we look at red meat more specifically, I do feel like there are some pros and there are some cons. <sighs> I feel like red meat was kind of, hmm. (laughs) Uh. so remember back in like the 70s, 60s, 70s, right when they started transitioning butter and they said, oh my gosh, saturated fat is the worst. You have heart disease, you can't have saturated fat. I always remember this because I remember being like, oh yeah, no, I probably, someone told me once because my parents had high blood pressure and high cholesterol. They both had heart disease. My grandfather passed away at a very, very young age following multiple surgeries due to heart disease that like you'll probably never be able to eat guacamole because avocado is high in saturated fat. And at that time they thought saturated fat is what caused heart disease right and this is not necessarily a heart disease talk but i feel like at that point is where red meat uh was kind of ostracized as well right they said you red meat is high in saturated fat and saturated fat causes heart disease so if you want to be healthy you need to make sure that you cut out red meat but so so a couple things right and i think the big one of the big things that we're looking at is one we have been – when you look at, like, the hunter and gatherer, this is what we did in primitive time. Our human ancestors ate meat. They ate from animals that they gathered, that they had either died of natural causes, been left behind by animals or leopards, that they went to hunt, right? So we were hunters and gatherers for – uh They actually found evidence of human hunting has come from a site in Germany where horses were clearly being speared and their flesh eaten, right? So when you look, we have been hunters and gatherers. We have been eating meat for centuries and centuries. They actually, um, interestingly enough, came out with this. Uh, Let me see if I can about science changes was just a couple years ago that a new report suggests a long-standing guidelines that red meat is bad for your health may not be true so what did they look at there was a guideline published in a peer-reviewed journal that said people should continue eating red meat which they said, you know, this groups like the American Heart Association and the World Cancer Research Fund recommended people reduce red meat consumption and the World Health Organization in 2015 even classified processed red meat as a um, probable for a human carcinogen. Right, so if you heard that, you'd think like, I don't really want to eat that though. So um, here's what it was. What did the research find? So this was published in 2019, the Annals of Internal Medicine. And they suggest that adults continue current unprocessed red meat. So the recommendations were based on five analysis of existing research. Four on of that, the health effects of eating red meat, and one on people's health-related preferences on red meat, meaning how much they, they value meat and its effects on their health. So based on the reviews, we cannot say with any certainty that reducing red meat or processed meat will prevent cancer, diabetes, or heart disease. Um, So they said nothing new is coming out of the study. There is no breakthrough. It just confirmed previous findings. So people are criticizing the research and they're really saying, hey, you know what? Uh, Overall... We're not doing anything new. We're just literally looking at what's there. And we're finding that it, it, what what people are telling and advising doesn't really match up to the research, which I think is interesting because that's a lot of, you know, <laughs> when you look over the last, what, however many time span of like, I don't know, say a pandemic when you're like, hey, you know what? Oddly enough, these recommendations don't match any of the research that we've done. This is similar just <laughs> years and years before. So, um, you know, they talk about should they eat less red meats and they're saying um, there can be room for in your diet for that a couple times a week. Um, just make sure you also have steamed veggies, salads, berries as well. So they're, they're saying, hey, we're looking at all of these hundreds of thousands of people over the course of five different research studies to say, hey we've always gotten recommendation to stay away from red meat. Is this true and valid? And this research from several years ago says no, I mean, there's really nothing that says if you consume red meat, it's going to increase your rate of heart disease. There's nothing in any of these research that say increasing your red meat was going to increase your diabetes or cancer. So I I think it's it's a little bit interesting, right? Because that's what we base a lot of this off of. Now, that being said, I will agree with the fact that just like, I'll talk often how uh, people say, you know, supplements are a waste of money, right? It's a total waste of money. And I would agree with you talking about the quality of supplements. So if you're going to, you know, In 2012, the New York State's Attorney General had a lawsuit against Target, Walmart, Walgreens, and GNC because they went in and they took vitamins off the shelf, ones that said they were gluten-free and dairy-free and filler-free and that they had all of these really great active ingredients. And they went in and found, you know, say you've got ashwagandha or St. John's wort they went in there and said, there's none. There's none of it in there. Oh, and by the way, that says this is gluten and dairy-free. It's full of gluten. It's full of dairy. And it's no more than filled with common house plants, right? And so when you say supplements are pointless, they don't do anything, all the research that says, yep, don't take supplements, it doesn't change anything, I would agree with that when you're looking at the different quality of supplement. And I feel along the same regard, that same thought process when it comes to red meat because again our bodies have been designed to be like this this is why we have all of the different types of, of teeth humans are omnivores meaning we eat a variety of food including meat and plant matter that's why when you look at your teeth they'll give a sense of variety of shape and sizes of teeth an omnivore can have right we have our um canine or like our incisors, right? Those are for ripping or tearing apart meat. Where our back teeth, our molars are more for grinding. That's more plant-based, right? And so we're looking at the different type of teeth we have. We are made to have those in order to consume different types of food. So number one, when you think about like, God didn't make mistakes, And so when we have these different types of teeth and how we're supposed to eat, it makes me go, hmm. Now, that being said, when we even reference back to, you know, the hunter and gatherer time that says, hey, we actually realize that we have been hunting and gathering and consuming meat products for centuries and centuries. Like how interesting that now you know, 1970s rolls around. We're like, oh, saturated fat is awful. But here's the other thing. Look at the difference in the type of quality of meat and big agricultural, you know, grass-fed, high-production farming versus when you ch- you chase down a cow. <laughs> if I remember so, our family, we get half of a cow every single year. And I remember the farmer, he's a local farmer down here. And he said, he was showing me pictures of his cows. And this is one of the cows. And he said, do you want to come down and meet your cow? And I said, no, because if I come down and meet my cow, that cow is going to have a name. And I'm going to have a cow with a name in my backyard. And I'm not going to have any meat to eat for the year. Like, no, I don't. I don't. Like, I love the fact that I literally can go and look at my cow grazing in the pasture. You know, my husband goes and we, we specify to the butcher what cuts we want from our half of a cow. And then we go up and we do a pickup load full of red meat that sits in our deep freeze all year. And my husband literally goes to where it is processed to pick it up. It's like 45 minutes or an hour away. And so, you know, it's harder to get closer to the source than that. (laughs) So when you're looking at versus, you know, again, you have these um, animals who are mistreated, they are pumped full of antibiotics and chemicals. They're fed chemicals. Gosh, what was I reading the other day? It was, I mean, this was a while back. I don't have an, a research article. But they talked about how when they say antibiotic-free, like in a good, better, best scenario, they're not taking oral antibiotics, but then they're just giving injections of something else that helps them stay off these bacterial infections from the fact that they're so close together in such dirty, confined living conditions, if you ever want to, um, there's a documentary that's out. I think it's Food, Inc. It's been a while since I've seen it. But one of my girlfriends had watched it. Um, and they talk about how horribly, horribly mistreated these animals are. Um, all for the sake of a dollar. And I know it was at least three or four years that she went vegetarian. She didn't eat meat anymore. So I have, I have. It is. it sits well on my heart the way that our cows are treated, right? So like support local anyways, that's what we are. We're a small local business who wants to support other small local businesses. So we look at kind of that. So not all meat is created equal. And that's where you look at, it's not what you eat, it's what you eat eats. So if your animal is eating, you know, again, chemicals, then you're eating chemicals, So you have to look versus versus the cow that's in the pasture, that's not sprayed, they're walking around, like that is what is supposed to happen. That's what's supposed to happen. Not the same. And when you look at not the same is that we're looking at more of the inflammatory part, right? Because the whole process... The whole thought process is that necessarily increase your lipid profile that would cause for heart disease. We know that now. We have now debunked that myth, but yet somehow red meat hasn't necessarily made it out of that thought process, if you will. So it's still there. Now, when you look at the difference in omegas, right, the um, confined grain fed animals are very, very high in omega-6s, which is an inflammatory um, omega. Where if you're looking at the grass-fed ranging cows, they're very high in omega-3s. And omega-3s are actually more of an anti inflammatory. So again, when you're looking at the different quality and type of meat, or for example, um, you know, when I was in college. I used to get, I used to go to to a store, one of the big box stores, and I would get fillets, right? And I'm like, I'm going to get some fillets. And these fillets were only, it was, I think it was like $6 for two fillets wrapped in bacon. And I am like, when I'm getting it, like there should have been a sign, Leanne, but it wasn't. And so when I looked even more in, and I remember back thinking like, gosh, these are really oddly put together, that what they do is they took scraps, and they take meat glue, and they glue the meat together. And that's why it like falls off in like weird random chunks after you cook it, because of the fact that it's glued together with meat glue. Not the same. That's not the same as if you have like a filet that's all put together on a cow that's actually walking around roaming and eating. It's not the same. And so when you're comparing the quality of meat, I remember it was um, Dr. Meyer Hyman, who was a medical doctor, actually wrote about this. Um, oh gosh, I forget the name of the book that he came out with in the last couple of years. But he talked about red meat has been demonized because a lot of the times, too, when they do these studies with red meat, These are individuals and they don't ask like what the quality of meat is. And so these individuals who don't care about the quality of meat also are not caring about the other quality of food that they're eating, right? So someone who is more thinking more about they want grass fed, grass finished, organic foods are not going to be the people who also smoke or eat fast food or junk food. The people on the other end who don't really care about the sourcing or the quality or the chemicals that go in there are going to be the same people who likely smoke and have some more of those unhealthy snacks throughout the day, right? And so it's hard to put that that balance or that, that um, kind of weight into the red meat because they're not pulling all of the other lifestyle choices and adding those into account when it comes to looking at red meat. I hope that makes sense, right? So when you're looking, not all red meat is created equal. Now, when we come back, we are going to talk about some benefits of grass, health benefits of grass-fed beef as well as share an amazing testimony of someone who really started to lead the five essentials, changed up, started getting adjusted, made nutritional changes, and saw an exponential shift in her health. And we'll go through that next.
1: You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. We're online with life-changing results and success stories at GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. This is Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne of Greenwood Family Chiropractic. Here's Dr. Leanne.
2: Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter with Greenwood Family Chiropractic. 317-893-2853, 317-893-2853, or you can schedule an appointment online at GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. That's GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. Initial exam and consultation, just $25. Today we're talking a bit about nutrition choices, more specifically red meat and its effect on your health. We talked a little bit prior about how research now is coming out to really saying, you know, we're not really finding the evidence to support um, the problems which we first thought of red meat. Saturated fat is why red meat gets blamed for being a disease causing food, but not all meat is created equal. So when we look at grass-fed, the ideal that you have is grass-fed and grass-finished. You could have grass-fed, but what they do is they still use grain to fatten it up for that marbleization at the end. But I will tell you that red meat does have quite a bit of health benefits. One of them are B vitamins. This is one where you oftentimes see uh, individuals who are more vegetarian or vegan will often be B vitamin deficient. But specifically, red meat isn't only saturated fat, it contains protein, amino acids, Omega-3 fatty acids, B vitamins, iron, zinc, phosphorus, where grain-fed beef can consume some of these nutrients, but it's oftentimes has uh, less omega-3s, right? Um, Grass-fed has more omega-3 fatty acids, which are an anti-inflammatory. Grass-fed beef also has more oxidant nutrients like vitamin A and vitamin E, so a couple of really fun facts quickly before we get into this awesome testimony is that when we're looking at grass-fed beef, grass-fed beef is higher in stearic acid, which is a type of saturated fat that can lower LDL cholesterol and is actually considered to have heart protective benefits. Again, when when we're fearful of your heart or your LDLs, which is like your bad inflammatory, quote-unquote bad inflammatory, they're actually finding that grass-fed beef contains more steric acid than conventional beef. Not all beefs are created equal. Again, when you look at uh, CLA, which is conjugated linoleic acid, it's a a potent antioxidant. Um, There was an article in 2010 from Nutrition Journal found that CLA has protective... Uh, benefits, protective effects against cancer, heart disease, and other disorders. Um, a research from 2019 nutrition found that um, CLA has shown promise in addressing breast cancer, brain cancer, and colon cancer, right? Um, so CLA has prominent evidence behind it. Grass-fed beef is a great, great source of it, right? Not as great in grain fed. Um, again, we look at the benefits of omega 3 that are anti inflammatory and they're important for health. Um, beef isn't necessarily a stellar source, but grass fed beef, beef can have three to four times the omega 3 fatty acid than grain fed beef does, right? So it's less inflammatory. Um, vitamins. Gra- grass fed beef also contains more of certain nutrients than conventionally raised beef, like zinc, iron, B, E, glutathione, provitamin A, um, all are find- found in extreme high levels through grass fed beef as opposed to its counterpart, which is conventional. Right? So, when you look, here are some, some of the things you want to look for on the label grass fed, grass finished natural is like a eh, but organic and so if you're not really sure I would highly highly encourage you to go to your local farmers markets seek out and search some of those local um, farmers because one they're little guys right they don't want to be bought out by the big guys but then two if you want to go look and name a cow you you sure can Now, with all that being said, I want to circle back to a testimony of a patient that we had who started making some of these nutritional lifestyle five essential changes and have really seen an exponential leap in her overall return to health. Welcome, Julie. Hi, good to be here. Um, Okay, so I'm just going to ask you, uh, well, one, I want to start off with primarily, thank you for sharing your story. Because I know that um, for some people, they get a little bit hesitant, but I really think that what you're going to share is going to help change so many people just in your testimony. So tell me, what were some of the things that you experienced before you got started at Greenwood Family Chiropractic?
0: Well, I have a long history of just heart health issues um, within my family my dad um, actually had open-heart surgery at 41 years old. Um, I was 16 and a sophomore in high school, and that was, um, that was a really shocking thing for our family um, to experience um, at that point in time because, you know, he seemed healthy, and all of a sudden we uncovered the fact that there's this, you know, underlying kind of cholesterol heart issue that was running through our family. His father had died um, in his early 50s from a heart attack. Um, so there was just this ongoing um, kind of heart-related um, disease within our family, you know, and and you always assume and you're told that that's a genetic thing and that, you know, goes through your family line. And, and so um, at 16, as an athlete, um, I was actually, I played basketball, and I was in the middle of season, when this happened, so I was very much in shape, and they actually tested all of us, and my cholesterol came back at that point in time at 2:30. Um, wow! You know, most people say, "Oh, you know, you don't have cholesterol issues until you're, you know, later in life." Well, I was 16. Right. <laughs> and so they automatically were like, "Oh, you know, this is definitely part of your your family line." So that is something that has kind of been a a, you know a dark cloud over me literally almost my entire life right and then you know in my early 30s I started having issues and um, that was the point in time that you know my cholesterol had hovered around 250 ish um, at that point in time and you know doctors were wanting to put me on statins from 32 years old um, on and I just I just was not buying in um, to um, I had seen You know, the progression of my dad through the years. I mean, he's been on them, you know, all these medications and things, um, basically since I was sixteen. And I just have not seen the benefit enough for me to say, "Yeah, I totally want to do that because that's going to fix me too." Right. And so I have consistently pursued, um, you know, other options and and healthier lifestyle and, and different things and. It was um, actually in October. Um, My family was um, at Disney for October break, and um, I had stayed back um, at the resort the one afternoon, and my husband and my two teenagers um, had gone out um, to the parks. And it was in that afternoon, just all of a sudden, I had um, a pain shoot through my back um, and come and wrap all the way around to the front, and it just seized me like I have never had anything happen before and I got sick and all of a sudden immediately I was like oh my gosh Mm -hmm. I'm having a heart attack it really rattled me and I ended up calling paramedics and they came and um, it did not end up being that I was fortunately they tested everything and I my blood pressure wasn't even really elevated besides being fearful right (laughs) and Um, So they said, don't worry. That's not what this is. We're not concerned. And um, they said, just rest and relax. So um, I did. I just kind of rested for the rest of the day. And that night, my legs started cramping um, and spasming in an excruciatingly painful way. And when I woke up the next morning, I had no feeling in either one of my legs.
2: Right, which is be scary.
0: Could not support my weight. And you talk about this a lot in your office. And that was that moment for me where in an instant, my health was stolen from me. Yeah. Completely in a way that I was not anticipating or prepared for. So I think it's just that, you know, all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, now what do I do? I thought I was healthy. I thought I was okay. And what is this? Right. You know, and at 43 years old, thinking I was pretty healthy in a pretty good place, um, my husband had to bring me home from Disney in a wheelchair because I couldn't walk through the airport to get home. And, you know, and that's a, that's, um, that's a real rattling um, realization when you come to that place. Um, and it's not unlike, I'm sure, what other people have happened when they have, you know, a cancer diagnosis or, you know, some other diagnosis that you're just not prepared for. And in that moment, you go from thinking you're healthy to finding out you're not.
2: Right. What are some changes that you've seen now over the course of the last three to four months?
0: Well, I immediately um, changed how we were eating. And um, one of the things that I did was... Um, you provided the opportunity to go and shop with you at a local grocery store and that has always kind of been an achilles heel for me um i'm not really good at reading labels and i'm not i was always afraid of a grocery store to be perfectly honest because i was always afraid of buying the wrong thing and so going that helped me so much in that initial stage understand what are the right things to have and what are not, and, and how do you incorporate those into an eating plan? So I started the eating plan right away. Um, I, uh, it said that you would lose 20 pounds in 30 days. And in my mind, I was like, yeah, well, you know, for me, proportionally, I probably won't lose that much. Even if I lose 10, I'm going to be thrilled with that. And I did literally lose 20 pounds in the first 30 days of following that program. So great. Um, and that was just remarkable to me because I have struggled um, with having extra weight since I turned 40. Yeah. Just couldn't seem to shake that. And so I, I just, that was remarkable to have that kind of a rapid weight loss in a way that was a healthy
2: right. weight loss. sustainable. It wasn't
0: something to be afraid of.
2: Mm-hmm. Um so what about the the other things? I know we talked about your kind of your more recent trip where you were walking around a whole bunch.
0: Yes. Um it has been, you know, a process of of regaining um the feeling and use um in both of my legs and I have had um almost a full recovery on that, which has been remarkable. Um I uh chaperoned a show choir Um, trip for my daughter to New York City um, two weekends ago over spring break and the week prior to that I found out that we pretty much were going to be walking everywhere and I had a moment of panic because in my mind I went oh my goodness I could potentially have to walk 10 miles a day Um, you know leading these kids around and what is that going to look like and what I actually experienced was that I got there, and I walked and walked and walked and walked. I had no pain. I did not get tired. Um, and even I ended up being on the fourth floor of the hotel, and the ability to actually get on the elevator was took so long that often I actually had to go up and down the stairs, which had been a struggle for me. And I was going up and down the stairs with no effort for flights multiple times a day. And at the end of the day, um, I would get back to the hotel, and it was shocking because I actually felt invigorated. I was not tired. My legs didn't ache. My feet didn't hurt. And um, none of those things. And the other chaperones around me were complaining about their hips hurting, their knees hurting, their feet hurting. Their th- and I was laughing to myself thinking, thank you, Lord, for providing that, because that was, for me, that was such an affirmation that I really was healing in the way I thought I was. Yeah.
2: It's amazing the way that the body is designed when you just remove interference and allow it to do what it's supposed to do that it does. Mm-hmm. So yes. now let's share this big... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: Well, I, say, I think another really interesting thing um, that, has, that has been a result of this that I never anticipated was you changed my sleeping habits. And, um, you know, I, I have become a back- sleeper, which I never ever was. And I have been sleeping more restful and more, more soundly than I ever have in my entire life. And I think that was part of the success with the New York trip too, was that not only was I having that kind of a physical output every day, but then I was coming back and I was getting incredibly restful sleep. And waking up ready to take on the next day. Um, And that has been something that I never would have anticipated as part of this program.
2: So fun. And is that that's how your body Mm -hmm. functions and heals. That's awesome. I'm so proud of you, Julie. So proud.
0: Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. I'm just uh, so grateful for your part and in teaching me and encouraging me and everybody in your office is so fun. It's just to go in and to get that encouragement and even even the other clients that are in there it's you know it's so encouraging because we all talk and you know people say how long have you been coming and you know what were you experiencing and how are you feeling and we share our stories just every day yeah (laughs) you know and it's just fun to see the results that everybody is experiencing
2: that's so great I appreciate you being in the office
0: well, thank
2: you. So if you want to know more about how to really join, become part of the office, and share your own testimony, you got to reach out. Initial exam and consultation is $25. You can give us a call. Leave us a message, 317-893-2853, or com. Initial exam and consultation is 25 There's actually a schedule and appointment link. I appreciate you tuning in. Hopefully you gained an ounce or six or eight or 12 of knowledge get it, it was a stake reference <laughs> look forward to next week remember that your power is on <laughs>